0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDSE. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remzo Martinez. And I'm Mark Claire. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. And on the run we are indeed. Welcome back. It's Thursday, which means tomorrow is Friday, which means the next day is Saturday. I don't know about you. I sleep better on, on Thursdays because I'm just immediately thinking about the fact that I just have to get enough stuff done to just justify the hours I'm sitting at my desk when I go into the office. Not that I'm not being productive. I am being productive. But you get those Friday jitters and then you get to sleep in and know that you've got a few nights of just uninterrupted you time. It's wonderful. I have always loved Thursdays. I don't think Thursdays get enough love for that. It's like, uh, you know, you know, you're about to get some and then you get some and then that post Get Some Nap. If you all don't know what Get Some is, uh, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. You should probably go ask someone. Anyway, welcome back. It's been an eventful uh, month for me. I want to say that September was actually my best performing month ever as a freelancer. Apart from my nine to five job. I still freelance. I've been doing so for about four years now. And this past month was my most successful month on record for not only bringing on new clients, but also making more within a 30 day period than I ever have before. And um, it's something that I didn't anticipate happening, but it just kind of did. It was a lot of things coming together at the same time, and it just happened to work out. But that said, though, it's not all, uh, you know, bubble gums and fireworks and you know, square dancing and yeehaw and back slapping and having fun things that have nothing to do with uh, anything. But it's like um, you know, for for as awesome as it as it was, I also encountered something I've actually never. Had to deal with before. I not only had to issue a refund to a client, but I also had to ban the same client. As in, I refunded this person. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what did you screw up on in order to issue this person a refund? I actually didn't screw up on anything. I actually did the job I was hired to do. We'll get more into that in a moment, but I issued a refund without being prompted to issue the refund because as a wise man once said, it's easier to settle a debt and not waste any more time and walk away from that person than it is to fight over what is ultimately a trivial amount of money and continue to strife and continue the headaches And, um, this was one of those situations where I had to put that saying literally into action and, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't comfortable. One big reason was because it was of somebody that I saw as a friend. I, uh, I'm very lucky. A lot of the clients I have, I do consider friends, but I always, try and make it very clear that when I'm hired to do something, we need to be as business-minded and objective about what it is we're dealing with directly as as possible. So that way, everyone gets what they want and we can continue doing awesome things together and maintain our friendship. At the beginning of the month, a friend of mine who works as a principal for a private school reached out to me. They've been dealing with uh, a large number of employees who recently left is um, part of the you know employment crisis we're seeing where people would rather just collect welfare than actually go to work. So he's dealing with that. Uh, it's a school where children live. So you need people. it's a it's a boarding school type thing. So he needed help crafting a social media plan where I was gonna have to create copy from scratch. I was gonna have to um, get the uh, the images and the videos worked up. And I was gonna make sure I, I fixed any issues along the way. So that's all I was paid to do. And at at the time, I could have done more except because of other work obligations. I let him know several times at the beginning of it. That the amount of effort and attention I could put into this was going to be limited, but I would be able to kind of walk them along the process because not many of them have much experience in this, him and his staff, and uh, they were already dealing with some other problems as a result of it. So I found out that my friend was gonna have to pay me out of pocket because the people that were above him weren't willing to pay for it, but because me and him worked together in the past, he knew that it was worth it. So if he had to pay out of pocket now to make his job overall easier later by bringing in more people, that was a risk he was willing to take. Uh, Because of that, I gave him an insanely steep discount. Let's put it this way. For the amount of time and effort I put into that, I could have... Easily charged him five times as much. Um, it, it, was, it was a lot of money that I took off the table because he was in a difficult situation. He was a friend of mine. So I go ahead and I do the job. I write the copy. I create the graphics and the videos. And I even go ahead and um, get the first ad running on Facebook. The issue at hand was that whoever created their company Facebook account. I don't know how to explain it, but let's put it this way. Facebook used to have it years ago where you could go ahead and use a work email to create a Facebook account just for pages. That doesn't exist. I thought it had been phased out, but no. So not only did people not have access to the login information for this, but then it was not, not allowed to go ahead and run ads because you need an actual person, an actual human being to have admin access in order to run ads. So without it being tied to somebody's personal account where Facebook could go ahead and dictate whether that person is eligible or not, it could not run ads on its own as a business page. So what I had to do was I had to figure all this shit out Because I had never encountered it. So many hours went in to fixing it and getting people access and getting people login access and then making sure it worked on their phones and then making sure it worked on their desktop devices before we could get the ads running. And I let him know that because of other work obligations and other stuff, I can't run anything past this first ad for you, but I can teach you how to do it. That way you won't have to pay me and you won't have to pay other people. This was supposed to be a two, three-day job. It became so prolonged, I probably, it probably went on for at least two and a half weeks. And it was incredibly inconvenient because I also was traveling during that time. So I would land at an airport with a bunch of you know very frantic and sometimes angry text messages and voicemails, and um, a, a lot of pressure was being put on me when the, the, the facts were that I had warned him enough times that I'm not going to be able to do everything and that I'm also traveling and that I also had some personal things to deal with. So it just wasn't a great time. So at this point, I'm doing way more. I didn't know I was going to have to fix his Facebook page. I didn't know I was going to have to teach all these people how to get in. I didn't know I was going to have to fix a whole bunch of other shit. And then when time came to run an ad, this person who hired me, my friend, uh, was mad that I was not going in and manually running the ads. Now, let me explain one thing to you real fast. Because a regular user, you and I, We have one card that you can go ahead and place on your account when you do advertising on Facebook at a time. And I not only deal with my work's Facebook account, but my Facebook account and several others. And my obligation is to my work where I was actively running ads. So if let's say I had ads running on two accounts for two different pages they could all potentially get charged to the same card because you cannot separate them per ad campaigns. When you boost them, everything goes to the same card on the ad account, which means if something got messed up, I could potentially charge the wrong card the wrong amount. So that's a very messy situation where you need to wait from one to end And then as long as there's nothing conflicting, then you switch the card and then you run the campaign. And then as soon as the campaign is done, typically Facebook will charge you at the end of the month or after you've hit a certain amount, like $600 or something. Um, What you typically do in this case is as soon as your limited campaign is done, you go in and you manually charge the card. So that way your balance is cleared and you can go ahead and switch and do whatever. And I had explained this to them. It's like, I can't risk me charging you, or my company, based off what, what is happening with these campaigns. Because at the end of the day, my 9-to-5 is going to overrule everything else. So he gets extremely mad, even after I explain this. And he, he gets to the point where he's like, Listen, man, I paid you. And, and like you, 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 I, you, you're supposed to be handling this. And I paid you. So you need to go ahead and do it. So I, I got fed up. I'm like, listen, I, I've already explained to you what is going on. And I also actually did everything you paid me to do. So I don't agree that I'm not doing my job. In fact, I did my job several weeks ago. And everything I've been doing for you has been as a favor. So how about I give you and your organization some advice on how to fix this so that way you're all better for the next time? And he yelled at me and said, You don't, I don't need any advice from my organization. And he starts yelling, and before he could finish the sentence, he hung up on me. And um, at that point, I know this person, this this person's very melodramatic. This person um, has stuff going on in their own life. They've also got another job on the side and other stuff like that. So it's not like I didn't understand that they're going through a hard time, but this idea of, I've already done my job. I've already done a lot of additional stuff for you on top of the fact that I gave you a mighty discount. What you're trying to do is you're intentionally ignoring all the things that I'm telling you so that this way you can guilt me into doing more because you've given me your money and you feel that I'm not doing What you paid me to do, despite the fact that I not only did everything you paid me to do, but I did more. Listen, man, I paid you. You don't say that to anybody unless they have not done the job. And I asked him, were you not happy with how I did it? And he wouldn't answer because the truth was that he was happy with the results of the initial stuff that I did, but he wanted more. And he was going to continue to try and guilt me into the situation in which I could have possibly been doing this for weeks, if not months, more for free. So after he hung up on me, I didn't call him back. I wasn't even mad. I was disappointed. And what I did was I went over, grabbed grabbed my laptop. I gave him back his money. And he didn't—remember, he didn't ask for a refund or anything, but I gave him back his money because here's the truth. The truth is that was what was tying us together in this situation where he was going to use that to constantly drag me into more unpaid work to handle things that I could not handle and when I tried to help him and his people handle something which really should have be should be done by an employee, he wasn't having it because he wanted stuff done on his time right there right now so in that situation, I could have kept the amount of money that he gave me, and i technically i should I should have just kept it because I did the job and if he had any issues with that, he could have argued with me about it. He could have done anything. He could have taken me a small claims court if he wanted. I would have won because I did the job, but it wasn't worth it. Primarily because this is a person who I consider to be a friend who's using our friendship and the fact that we were also in a business agreement at the time to guilt me and to basically bully me in this situation. So by getting rid of the money, I was closing the door on this, and I sent him a message that said, sorry, you're not happy with what you weren't getting, uh, just to throw it back at him. It's like, if you think that uh, you're, you're going to keep doing this, if you think I wasn't delivering everything I promised to send you, whatever, here's, here's your money, man. Here's your money. I don't need your money. I really don't. I really don't need your money. Uh, I liked his money, but I'll need his money. And after that, I had to have a really long, you know, inner monologue with myself thinking about the situation. And I decided that I'm never working for him again. And it's sad, too, because we've worked together uh, for three years, and he was always very kind. And did I see red flags in terms of this behavior in the past? Yeah. But it was never like this. So it's been several weeks now and we haven't spoken. I don't know whether he feels guilty or not. Obviously, he doesn't feel guilty enough to send back the money because I did the job and I did way more than the job. And that because I was willing to, you know, cut cut loose of the situation, and give him back his money Maybe he could have thought to himself, wow, you know, maybe I went a bit too much on Remzo and give the money back to me, the money which I rightfully earned based off what we agreed to, but he still hasn't even done that, and I don't want the money. What I would like, though, is an apology because as a result of this, our friendship may be over. Now, I've also been thinking of a scenario, what if he apologizes? I'll accept it. I'll accept it. I won't even ask for the money back. But if let's say he calls back and he gives me an apology, which I feel I I am owed an apology, I'll forgive him because I value our friendship. However, our working relationship is over. And it's because if you're willing to do this to somebody that you've known for a while, that you've gone through a lot of personal and business stuff with, and you treat them like this, this badly. I don't want to put myself in a situation where that could happen again. Because I've been in the situation before. This is the most egregious. This is the most recent. This is the one that hurts me the most. Because a friendship has died as a result of it. That didn't need to. It could be resuscitated. But for now, it's not looking good. So if he calls back I'll, and apologizes, I'll accept it. But What I'm telling him is, I, we're not working together anymore. You could offer me twofold what I would have charged you for things because you want to work with me and I will still say no because it's not worth the stress and the time and the headache and the hurt feelings for the money. Because the money will come and go, but that situation, I really have to gauge, is it worth it? And you at home probably listening to this have been in similar situations like that. Sometimes it is better to forgive the debt and walk on and go about your business than it is to fight over the debt and have the time and the stress and the headache and all the shit in between drag it on to the point where the money seems worthless. That's a question that I learned the hard way multiple times. And in this situation, while I'm upset that it happened, I'm contempt with how I handled it because I did what was best for me and what I was trying to do for him, which was help a friend in a bind at work who's also financially strapped right now, who is encountering a lot of other stuff that neither of us predicted. And because he's stressed, you're going to go out of your way to do a little bit more because you want to help a friend. But the thing is, I did the job. I did the job well. I went above and beyond the job, which was already get done at a very, very discounted rate. And when he wasn't happy with the fact that I wasn't going out and doing way more than I had initially bargained, especially despite the circumstances of which I couldn't do more, he tried to guilt me because I had taken his money from the beginning. And because of that, that was the string that tied us together in this very shitty situation. So he chose to end it like a child by, by yelling at me and hanging up on me. And I chose to formally end it, ending it by not calling back and giving him back his money and basically saying, good luck. Sorry, it turned out this way because I didn't, I, I didn't want it to end this way, but this is how it's ending. Uh, a couple weeks later, more like a few days ago, after that situation, um, a good friend reaches out to me. She's trying to move out of her parents in very, very expensive northern Virginia right outside of Washington, D.C. And on top of her job, she's thinking about doing a side hustle to make some extra moolah because Joe Biden's gas prices ain't cheap. So she asks me, hey, Remso, I want to do work online as a freelancer for a couple of different things. I'm looking at Fiverr or Upwork. Do you have experience Fiverr? And lucky for her, I do. Uh, she was like, should I do Fiverr or Upwork or both, blah, blah, blah. And I'm basically like, don't go to Upwork, just do Fiverr. And this le- this leads into our, our main topic. But before I do that, why why do I recommend Fiverr versus Upwork? On Fiverr, you get way more exposure around the world. It's got better platform presence. You get way more reviews. There are many people who are just looking for good price comparisons and will directly um, work with you, the freelancer. Whereas with Upwork, you've got limited potential. And you're basically bidding for most projects, which means you're basically bidding to do more work for less money compared to other people. So instead of wasting time doing that, you might as well just go to the place where you're getting the better deal. But uh, Fiverr is great. I've talked about Fiverr here on the show in the past. I've written articles about Fiverr. One of those articles I went ahead and pulled up and I sent it to her. And I said, this is basically a rundown of my experience. And, um, it's pretty good. I looked at it and it kind of reminded me, it's like, this is, this is stuff you develop and learn and grow on when you're doing freelance work. Um, I was a copywriter, still am a copywriter, but when I was doing work on Fiverr, trying to get by when I was unemployed for a while, uh, and after the Washington Times had cut all employee salaries, um, I, I was basically writing emails, website copy, blogs, sales copy. I was writing uh, a a lot of stuff like that for small to mid-sized businesses. So I grew extremely fast, made a ton of money, got great reviews. It was a good experience. But I learned a lot because sometimes I had some not great experiences. You know, kind of like what I was dealing with in September, where it's the best month for me as a freelancer ever, but I also have this horrible situation where I not only lose a friend, but I actually have to, or not have to, but I chose to issue a refund of the entire thing. So everything I was paid to do and more, the money is just given away because of everything we just spoke about. But anyway, I want to go ahead and bestow some of the knowledge that I wish I had had, because I'm at a point now where I'm able to learn from my experiences, and I think I handled this the best way. How, how, How do you How do you handle a situation like this? And what are some things that I feel that I wish I could bestow to new freelancers now, especially for those who are getting into uh, online work? Now, I I don't do anything through Fiverr anymore. Um, I'm lucky my current freelance business model is clients by referral. So I do everything just one-on-one directly. I don't have a mediating platform. But if, let's say, I I felt like I I needed to, I'd go back to Fiverr. It's a a great place. Um, But anyway... Uh, I, I, pulled up this article and I wrote it in t- April, on April 9th, 2019. I wrote this right before I had actually started working at the Washington times many years ago. I was such a baby. It's a five minute read. So I thought, Hey, you know, I haven't read it in a while. I wonder if some of these things still hold up. So I'm going to go ahead and go through it. And we're just going to go ahead and see, you know, my, my thoughts in the free flow, whether or not I agree or disagree with, the the stuff I put out on Al Gore's amazing internet way, way yonder back. So let's go ahead and jump in here. Six lessons I learned as a freelance writer on Fiverr. While peers looked down on it, I was profiting. There was a point in the past year where I felt my skills were useless. Like the network I had developed didn't see me as a professional of value... And that the time I worked on developing myself as a published author and journalist was all for nothing. Oh, yeah, I was in a really bad place at that time. <laughs> um, the truth is that it is hard to take pride in your vocation when you can't pay the bills. Amen, brother. Amen to myself, huh? Uh, Things changed, however, in January of this year, and I began to get offered writing contracts out of the blue. And before I knew it, contracts for paid writing projects and gigs were were flying my way on a weekly basis. Now, I I just needed a way to spend more time writing while also finding a way to squeeze pennies out of every word I typed. So I did something most, quote, professional and, quote, distinguished writers wouldn't be caught dead doing. I started offering writing services on Fiverr.com. It's so funny looking at this because this was obviously pre-pandemic, obviously. But like three years ago, so like 2019, if you were doing stuff on Fiverr, you know, the, the, the people who were doing it full-time for, you know, like a company or something, they, they'd be like, Oh, like, what's wrong? Like, Oh, are you hard up for money? Like they look down on it. And then post pandemic to now, everyone is like, can you help me with my Fiverr? I need to make more money. Life is expensive. I need help Remzo. I, I need help on it. It's so funny. The people that have come to me for advice on this and I happily give it by charge now. Um, and uh it's it's so it's so funny there's no more starving artists anymore a lot of the stuff that people were very talented at in terms of like you know graphic design copy copy editing copywriting video work all the creative stuff used for you know digital marketing and other other type stuff um used to pay very little uh now people are charging insane amounts of money i have a friend who's making um i think she made three hundred thousand dollars a year uh a few weeks after she um, lost her job, she made $300,000 that year by doing uh, custom artwork for businesses and stuff like that. It was crazy how much money she made. I-, I don't know if that was the real amount, but she she said that. And I was just like, I'll just take your word for it, sister. But, yeah, it's um, it's a different world. And uh, Fiverr is a great place then, and it's still a great place now. I think now it's even more competitive Because so many people who wouldn't otherwise be got dead there um, are now there. So continuing, at first, a month went by and nothing happened. Then the second month passed and I got a random message, but no buyers. Soon enough, I started getting flooded with buyers and potential clients. And now I'm at the point where I'm having to reject people. Uh, working as a freelance writer on fiverr has helped me renew my sense of pride in my skills provide quality service and copy to those that need it and provide me with a growing stream of income in addition to my regular writing contracts in order to help empower writers who are looking for an opportunity to grow or just want to help gain some money some gas money here are five to well here are six tips oh it's a typo what what the fuck how many tips are here? There are six. Oh, I got to go back and see if I can fix that because now I look like a dumb, dumb. Uh, anyway, here, are my tips for, uh, being a person on Fiverr. And, and you're going to see like freelance writer, copywriter, that type of stuff. It, it can be interchangeable with whatever it is you're doing on there. graphic artist, coder, editor, you know, whatever, but I just do that because it's, it it, it pertained most to me and it was really kind of the people that were approaching me about it that I wanted to, um, you know, kind of give more of that like personalization for anyway, number one, anyone can write, but not everyone can write effectively. And before I go onto this, uh, this isn't just a Fiverr thing. It's a copywriter thing. I don't think I'm the world's greatest copywriter as you could see by this typo at the time. It's been three years. Come on. Um, (laughs) Uh, I I don't think I'm the world's greatest copywriter now, but I have great clients and, uh, you know, I do it for my day job. I do it for my freelance jobs and, uh, you know, I'm not the best, but I, I think I'm extremely well or else I wouldn't keep getting new people and I wouldn't keep getting people renewing their contracts with me. Um, and uh, you know, just overall, like the, the biggest difference I see between successful copywriters and not successful copywriters is the not successful copywriter could be objectively a better quality copywriter than the one that is successful, except the difference is the one that's successful kept writing and kept hustling and kept doing the work, and the one who was unsuccessful but better quality of a writer uh, quit. That's the difference. That's the difference between the poor guy and the rich guy. The rich guy kept writing and was still doing good. Whereas the guy who was just doing it otherwise wasn't taking it too seriously, got frustrated, blah 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 blah, just quit. Um, anyway, one of the gigs I offer is article slash blog slash ad copywriting for websites and businesses, and uh, an average contract is around five hundred words and ranges from a typical listicle piece or writing a captive press release. In almost six years, I've been a best-selling author, journalist, editor, and copywriter. These are all skills that separate me from others that simply put, let me write your article for cheap. In their description, uh, and hope that that is good enough, uh, the high quality returning customers you will earn want to know your skills, and providing links to websites or columns where they can see your work will give them a peace of mind to come back and solicit you for more work in the future. Whether you run your own website, or working on your student newspaper for all four years of college, treat your Fiverr gig like you would treat any interview or pitch letter, and do so with pride and professionalism in yourself as a writer. Know your worth. Know your worth. And keep doing it. Just keep hustling. Number two, break up your skills into separate gigs when possible. All writers know the act of writing alone isn't all you do. As a professional writer, you're a researcher, editor, marketer. You have all these skills that don't make sense to put in one single gig. So the best thing to do is to look at your strengths and see how you can break them up into separate but distinct gigs that make sense for customers of different goals. On my Fiverr profile, uh, oh, there's another typo. God damn! I'm not. I'm not making. I'm not. I'm not making my cause. Thank God nobody read this article. I'm, I'm surprised I even remember I wrote this. Uh, so let's just, I'm just going to pretend that if I see anything, I'm just going to mention it for the rest of this episode. Uh, my Fiverr profile. <laughs> my gigs range from ghostwriting books to beginning author consultations and blog art slash article writing. All these gigs are uniquely different. And with that involve different requirements, expectations, and price ranges. Uh, so it's basically get more, work less. That's, that's that model. Get paid more to do less work if you can. Uh, number three, understand ethical boundaries. Let's face a fact, Fiverr has a reputation for being a hub of people that want fast work done cheaply that they could potentially do themselves for free. Uh, This could be said about the fast food industry and many other things, but for some reason, the stigma of labor leaves many with a negative connotation of Fiverr despite the very high and consumer-friendly services and products that are offered here for working professionals. In the past, I used Fiverr services for my podcast, logo designs for my campaigns, and many other tasks. However, as a writer offering your unique services, you will sometimes encounter people such as college students who will want you to write their entire paper. The ethical problem comes from those potential customers that tell you upfront they need an article or book review for a class. Don't make the morally skewed decision of doing that freeloader's work for them. They can go pay someone else to do it for them and they can do whatever they want. But karma and a reputation have a real cost you don't want on your head. So be aware of those that will use your skills to earn a place ahead of others in the fields of academia unjustly. Dealt with that a lot. You see that in, uh, in the political world, too. It's, uh, it's, very, it's, it's very sad. Once you do that, it's just going to lead to a bunch of other problems. Don't have that on your head. Number four, the more reviews you get, the more in demand you will be, and the higher you can charge. Hell yeah, that still stays. Uh, In the op-ed slash article world, most websites and publications won't pay much for a standard piece. The truth is, working on Fiverr, you'll have to probably start out with a rate far below what you would typically bargain for with professional editors. However, there are benefits to starting low on Fiverr. Yeah, yeah, that still stands. Um, as a new seller, you won't turn up in searches as visibly compared to established buyers. However, as your reputation builds up potential buyers can see your seller ratings and reviews, you can use that public reputation display to raise your rates accordingly to, the le- to leverage the quality of your work that provides you and the current workload you have. Uh, This puts more control in your hands since you will also be working with a higher tier of customers as well. Exactly. Start low, grow high, get that portfolio, and definitely, you know, be, be pickier about the work you're doing, but understand you can make you can make a lot more money once you go ahead and actually get get some uh, gravitas behind your your profile there. So yeah, that still stands. I mean that I, I say that stands for everything that freelancers do. Start building that, and as the the amount of work comes and the quality of the work gets more public and stuff like that, um, not just on Fiverr but anywhere you can definitely go ahead and uh, raise your services and be pickier about the people you work with. I actually don't take on too many new clients. I'm happy with what I'm doing right now because the current workload I have with the contracts is, uh, is manageable, and sometimes I'm able to offer additional one-time services, and sometimes I'm, I even just increase the rate. So it's one of those situations where it's like I have the constant work, and I don't necessarily need much more. I'm content and happy with what I have. I could grow, but that's not what I want. So, you know, I'm in a very, very good position. Um, doo, 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 doo. Number five, understand and be upfront with your limits. Writers are wordsmiths, but they aren't wizards. <laughs> That's clever. It's like I wrote that, I did. Something good. Um, There there were situations where people wanted me to write about topics you couldn't easily research or provide to them with the quality they were expecting. You'll be intimidated by the thought of your reputation meter looking poorly to potential customers because you denied an order. But nothing is worse than taking on a project from one of your gigs and then having to cancel it. Canceling a project as a seller is perhaps the biggest sin on Fiverr. And just knowing when to say no is better than canceling an order. Um, I'm glad I learned it there because I took that with me everywhere else, and it's one of the situations where it's like, um, you know, if 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 you want me to go ahead and construct a Statue of Liberty from scratch and the instructions are in Chinese and I have seven days. As much as I think I'm smart and capable and awesome, I can also tell you I can't fucking do that. So sometimes it's better to turn down that like $2 billion uh, crazy conquest I just came up with than to deal with a whole bunch of problems later because you got it in over your head. Uh, it helped me on Fiverr, helped me in life in general. Number six, the last one. Be proud of the opportunity to have your Fiverr work lead to an expansion in reputation and income. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite clients runs a news site, and not only did Fiverr provide the connection, but now I have a long-term working relationship with his publication. Our trust in uh, in each other allowed me the opportunity to publish articles for his website under my actual name, which means I can add that content to my professional portfolio of work. While most of my articles and blogs are written so someone else can take credit for it, this was a positive opportunity for personal and professional growth that I wouldn't have been able to get without setting up as a freelance writer on Fiverr. Yeah, all these things basically uh, still apply. And, um, you know, it didn't just help me then, but these are lessons that helped me now. I think now is a great time to work online because one of the things I told myself when I was doing this, because I I didn't have a job at the time, was that I wasn't going to go drive Uber. I I didn't want to do that. Um, I made far more money from the comfort at my home or a Starbucks or a Barnes & Noble cafe area or anywhere than you know, I, I would have ever imagined. And I'm in a very good situation now. So I think uh, if you're somebody that wants to go ahead and get in on this, and you have a ton of questions, reach out to me, we'll set up a consultation. But really, I mean, it's, it's always good and extra money. I mean, like, <laughs> we, we've seen the price of gas, we've seen the price of groceries. Like, especially if you're a millennial, if you're a millennial of debt, um, I'm sorry, but the, the, the odds are stacked against you. And, uh, yeah, it's frustrating because sometimes I work between, you know, so when you count my work and then when you count everything else I have to do, I work between 40 to 60 hours a week and those extra 20 hours, um, they are things that I could, you know, it's time I could spend sleeping, spending time with friends, family, all that stuff. It's time I could be doing, uh, stuff that's less stressful, but like, I like the work. I'm willing to do the work. The work has a purpose. And, you know, my side work, I don't treat it just like side work. It's work with a purpose because what I'm doing is I'm taking that money and I'm using it to increase my, um, my, my, my wealth, my power, my influence. It's helping me grow as a person. It's giving me a life that I'm very comfortable with and it's creating a future life that's going to be better than the life I'm living right now. Uh, I don't need all this extra income to live the way I'm living, but it sure as hell helps, and I'm gonna keep doing it until I I stop doing it. But I don't see that happening for a while. But anyway, it's at the end of the day, it comes down to this: know your worth, and just you know work with integrity. Because when you do that, you're going to get a good quality of people to work with. And you're going to make a ton of money. And sometimes it'll even actually be fun. I actually enjoy the stuff I do. I edit podcasts. I write emails. I go straight. I do a bunch of cool shit. And I enjoy doing it. Um, but it's, uh, it's work at the end of the day. So that's all I got, folks. Go ahead and talk to you later next week. As always, Go ahead and follow me across Al Gore's amazing internet. Hey, Remso, say hi. You consider dropping me a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at your Google Play. Wherever you're listening to the show, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. And remember, all these thoughts could be years and more for the bargain price of ninety-nine. Be good, be safe. Good night.